21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning to you and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for joining me as we are on our mission here, which is to recognize educational leaders and share their knowledge. Today, I've got Jay Atwood of the Singapore American School. Sharing is caring, but sharing yourself can be downright awkward, but not for Jay. Jay has a particular desire for sharing and presenting. Starting in 2010 at an early Learning 2.0 conference, Jay found himself on a presentation journey that continues to this day. Passionate about a variety of things, but particularly spreadsheets, and don't hold that against him, Jay shares his presentation experiences and helps us understand why we as educators should reflect and share our best practices with others. Jay is currently the high school ed tech coordinator at Singapore American School, where he leads tech integration, professional development, and a bring-your-own-device program for 1,200 students. He's a Google-certified teacher and an Apple Distinguished Educator who leads workshops and keynotes at ed tech conferences around the world. Jay Atwood, thanks for joining me on the program this morning. Hey, it's great to be here with you. It is great. Now, we've met a few times and chatted a few times, and uh, I would definitely consider you one of the presenter dudes out there. It's something you're into, and I certainly enjoy anything you have to say. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I thought I'd just start out right away. Why would anybody want to share and present anyways? Because, you know, I'm just kind of happy in my classroom. Why do I want to jump away from that? Yeah, you know, it's it's a common thing, I think, a common feeling that people have at teachers. You know, we're we're very comfortable within our classrooms. Um but I think that we don't always realize the really good things that we have that we're doing and that somebody else could actually learn from that. Um, and I know that I sort of, I, my teaching background is as an IB psychology teacher. And I was always the only teacher at my school. So I had nobody that I could even connect with or that, that could even understand the things that I was going through or had those same types of questions. Um, and it is, it is a bit scary to go out there and share and say, put a question out there and say, hey, I'm not sure how to do this. Um, you know, how, how could I, or here's something really cool that I am doing because maybe somebody else doesn't think it's that cool or may, may be critical of it. So I think it's, it's a risk that people aren't used to taking. So when you're saying share uh, your, your knowledge, sharing your professional development, what sort of what form would that look like? Does that mean getting up on a stage necessarily or are there different ways to do it as well? Yeah, I think I think there are a variety of ways, you know, any and it can it can start locally and just sharing and that's probably what we're most used used to. Mm-hmm. I know in a high school you share with your departments or your team members quite a lot. Um, but now I mean this is what's great about technology is that it allows us to connect with more and more people. So, you know, obviously things like Twitter um, or Google Plus or any any social platform, even Pinterest, you know, there's tons of stuff out there that teachers are pinning the things that they really enjoy mm-hmm. and the things that they are doing that work um, and sharing that with each other. You know, and then it can it can escalate to you know presenting at local conferences. Um, you know, an, an hour session goes pretty quickly when you're when you're when you've got something to share. It goes a lot more quickly than I think people realize. So when you say, so, say sharing your yeah. professional development, so you're saying social media counts then? Oh, definitely, definitely. So, to, to me, I was thinking that means I've got to get up on the stage. Yeah. Well, I think I think it 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 can mean that, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's when it's really kind of the most beneficial. But you can obviously learn from Twitter and learn from the social social media and that kind of thing. But I think the most powerful really comes from when you do actually get in front of a group of your peers and and share. Um, you know, 
and, and part of that comes, I think, from the process you have to go through um, in preparing that presentation or that workshop or that, you know, how do, how do I package and communicate to other people those things that I'm doing within my class and, um, and, and make it, you know, present it in a way, teach them really how I'm, how I'm teaching. And that, that reflection makes you think about and, uh, you know, consider the things that you're doing and how, how you can get that across to other people. So it's really kind of a learning practice, uh, or that re- process of reflection. is kind of a self-reflection as well. You know, why am I really doing this? What's really working about this um, project or this strategy or this tool? Is that because we're just so deathly afraid of making fools of ourselves that we put in <laughs> their time, which ends up becoming a reflection, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely a challenge, I think, and it's it's something we're not really that used to. You know, teachers are are generally solitary. You know, you're most of us teach in a classroom by ourselves, um, and that's I think unfortunate sometimes because we are doing some pretty cool things. And I know as a workshop leader, some of my favorite workshops that I've led is when I've gotten to team up with one of my peers, and we can bounce things idea you know ideas off each other as we're ref- building the you know the workshop but also as we're 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 leading the workshops as well all right well, let's talk a little bit about then your journey so i assume you didn't wake up in the morning when you were i don't know 10 years old and said i'm going to present now how, how did how, what how did you start presenting and uh, tell us about how you went from the beginning towards what you're doing now because you're quite active now yeah yeah it's actually it's been quite a long journey for me you know thinking back uh, my very first presentation that i did i think was in 2001 um and I was leading IB psychology teacher training workshops. So I got invited to Hong Kong to lead a, a psych, uh, you know, one for, for IB psych teachers. Okay. And, um, you know, so I don't know who saw what I was doing, but some, and I think I, I don't remember how I was sharing. Oh, I had a website at that time. And this was back in the GeoCities days. <laughs> so which, which street were you, were you on? Do you remember? <laughs> IB no, psych street? <laughs> pretty much, you know, it was, it was uh, uh, back yeah, wow, I hadn't thought about that website in a long time. <laughs> but um, we, by the way, weren't we all happier then? Yes, yes, we were. <laughs> things were so much simpler back in those days. They were. Things were just better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and I, I, I did that for a while, and then I took about six years away from the classroom, and and so from 2004 to 2010, I wasn't in the ed tech world. And if you think of the changes that went on between that, like YouTube didn't exist the last time I was a tech coordinator before mm-hmm. my current job right oh, now. Wow. So I jumped back in in 2010, and it was actually, actually, you know what? It was at your school um, when you guys hosted um, Learning 2. Oh, right. So you're talking 2008. Uh, 2007? It was, oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I think it was in the fall of we, 2000. We hosted it a couple times, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and, you know, I, I, that was my first kind of foray back into the ed tech world. And, ah. and I got there, and I saw these names of people that I, I kind of admired, but I had no connections with anybody. And so that kind of motivated me to start rebuilding my network and um, connecting with those people, which then kind of, you know, it takes a while to do it first. But then once you do and you get going, things just kind of compound and start, start building. And, you know, and that led me into uh, our school here, hosted a, hosted a, a summit, hosted a Google Apps Summit, mm-hmm. and, you know, start presenting locally here. And, you know, the more you do it, the more confidence you get, the more good feedback you get, the more you want to keep, keep sharing, really. So it sounds like it was more of an organic uh, journey for you rather than I'm going to go do it and you figured out the 10 steps to get there. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, definitely. Because I don't, I don't think there is a real set way. Mm-hmm. If you talk to people that are giving, you know, leading professional development and, and giving workshops and keynoting or doing whatever, they all have a very different path. 
but I think they all have a common, a one commonality is that they, they have something that they're passionate about that they really want to share and they get some, they realize that they also get something out of the sharing. Um, it's kind of a two way street, you know, not only are you mm-hmm. inspiring other people, uh, but you get to connect with them, you get to elaborate on your own ideas and that's, that's really how I see it. So what do you think, I mean, not everybody shares and not everybody presents, which I don't know, maybe that's a good thing, but <laughs> what, what's a good first step do you think for people who are saying to themselves as they listen to this, yeah, I, I, I want to do it, I'm a little bit afraid of it, you know, I want to be Jay someday, what, what's the first steps that they should take, do you think? First, they shouldn't try to be me. <laughs> well, I know, I know that would be unattainable, obviously. <laughs> they have to shave their heads, <laughs> so that'd be a little awkward. Um, no, I think that, that you should just kind of start locally um, and you know, look for, for opportunities first within your own school. Um, and sometimes I think that's the hardest place to present is because it's, sometimes it's easier to present to a, a group that doesn't know you. Um, so, you know, look for events around your, your local region. I know that there are, uh, here in Asia, we're very fortunate to have a ton of, you know, of opportunities and of, of ed tech uh, conferences and summits and things like that. And they're always looking for people um, to share. And I think when you, when you so, so looking for those and trying to find some opportunities to put, your, put yourself out there um, is great because I know I've, I've worked in a bunch of these different, you know, different, um, conferences and things mm-hmm. and, and gone to several. And the, the sessions that are the most valuable to me as a, as a participant are those ones that come from other practitioners and somebody who does something like me and has something to, has something to share. So I think just kind of starting locally, um, and, and just kind of taking the leap, look, look what's around you and what would you have available? So how do I know what I should present? I don't know if I know anything. I mean, what I, mean, so I guess the answer to my own question here is maybe you should look for the tribe of people who do the things that you do and probably would be interested in what you say. But, but what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think, I think this, comes, this is that where that reflective piece comes in, is that you know, look at what, what are you doing and what, what's your favorite thing that you do in your classroom? We all have things that we love to do. We all have things that we hate to do as well, mm-hmm. but if you know if you're if you're jazzed by a particular project or an approach or you know something that that you're you're doing, start with that and and try to hone that, try to perfect that, and and put it out there to get some ideas from other people as well how you can how you can improve that practice. Now let's talk about feedback then. So I mean, we do things that if we get feedback on things that's positive feedback, then we tend to do it more. Do you have any mechanisms you use for feedback or anything that helps you? I guess, yeah, what helps you know that you're doing a good job and that makes you, pushes you to continue? Oh, when I, when I see someone else tweet about something that they learned in my workshops, okay, you know, getting that is when, or when somebody contacts me and says, Hey, I tried out this, uh, you know, this thing with a spreadsheet that you were, you were talking about. And I, I found a new solution or they take it and they take it one step further. That's, that's when it really, when you know, you're having an impact you, know, you might get a feedback form right after a workshop and that's, that's fine. That's great. Um, but if it doesn't go past that, it's, you know, it, it's not as good. It's, it's better if we can, I like to see how people take it, take it and run with it really. I guess that's a really good point because you might get positive feedback at the sheet that people fill out, but that if they don't do anything with it, it's like what right. influence did you really or impact did you really have? Exactly. Okay, so if you want to make Jay feel good, everybody, just send a <laughs> tweet out saying something that you learned, and and, and the show notes is his Twitter address, so or his <laughs> channel, I should say. 
yeah, there you go. I, we all love positive feedback. So. Absolutely. So what what are you into now? Like, so what's your favorite thing? I mean, you're probably going to talk about Google, but what what are your favorite things to share right now? What's exciting you right now? Oh, um, uh, my latest passion has really been around spreadsheets. Oh, uh, of course, of, of course, course yeah. right, yeah. right. Um, definitely with, with, uh, and, and really it's more about, uh, simplifying workflows. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of things we do, um, we do because we've always done them that way and we think that they're efficient, but they're really probably not. Um, and you're trying to help people say, Hey, wait, here's my problem. Um, I'm, I'm doing this and, and I think it can be done a better way and come into, you know, again, chat with them and figure out, Hey, how can we make that a little bit more, more efficient? Um, that's that's really what I've been working on a lot here with workflows with people, and of course, doesn't the world revolve around spreadsheets? Yeah, it does. We I mean, we just don't know it, right? Yeah, yeah, a, exactly. yeah. That secret committee of spreadsheet analysts that are, are impacting and affecting every decision we make. I guess exactly. So actually, talk about workflows a little bit. So that's not a typical thing that a teacher would think about maybe more newer teachers are today but we never really were into workflows we had our classroom that was for the business folks so why would anybody care about a workflow right now does anybody out there want to save some time they all do right <laughs> that's that's the argument that i that i use it you know if if you can find a way we all have those those logistical things that we have to do whether it's recording grades or communicating with parents or you know just keeping track of assignments and what's what's going on um, everybody, nobody has enough time. So therefore, you know, we all face that same, that same problem. And what's better than the gift of time and doing, learning how to do something a little bit more efficiently or a little bit, um, more, more quickly. I think everybody kind of appreciates that because then you can spend the rest of that time, you know, doing what you, what you really enjoy outside of your job. Does any, uh, do you have like a particular story that's something you've seen a workflow really help somebody that may have surprised them and surprised you as well? Um, real recently, I've been working with our counselors here at my school about um, university visits mm-hmm. and uh, you know scheduling those. So we get um, I don't know how many different universities come through our school every year, but a lot. And just managing the communications mm-hmm. between you know all these hundreds of of uh, university and college reps, um, calendaring all of that, communicating back to them. Uh, that that workflow. We have somebody new who's taking over that process next year, and he's like, "I don't want to spend that this much time doing this. There's got to be a better way." So we sat down and kind of looked at some different options, and we're able to come up with a form that you know will automatically email back to the people that filled it out and add it to a calendar and do all this stuff. It's mm-hmm. going to save him tons and tons of time. So, which is good because really his expertise is not in emailing people back and forth it's in no. finding the people to show up in the first place right 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 and you, you talk about the cost of that you know if you think okay here you have somebody who's a, a very experienced a master counselor let's say who's got all these you know how much how much how much does that cost you to have him replying to emails all the time you know from a business standpoint and, mm-hmm. and from an effort standpoint that's probably not his passion you know so <laughs> it's interesting to actually how i mean email has allowed us to communicate with more people but then that doesn't scale well and to go from email to the next step, such as using forms or whatever, is often a stretch, I guess, yeah. for teachers, just not their world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And everybody complains about the numbers of emails they get. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be interesting to see now because, you know, I always say emails for old people. Kids don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> kids don't really email anymore. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that changes over the next few years, you know. I think yeah. it's going to have some interesting paths. They seem to work in a stream yes. uh, flow sort of method. Right, right. right. So, all right, you... 
how, do you think it's important, like, you know, to do the Google certified teacher to become an Apple distinguished educator? Is that important? Do you think to, as part of present presenting and sharing yourself? Um, I think yes and no. Um, I think that it's it's a, it's a nice. Uh, accolade. Um, it's a little bit of a affirmation, but we also have to be pretty honest about it that both of those are kind of product placement <laughs> to yes, a certain yeah, to true. a certain extent. So it's it's a great honor to be accepted into those, but you have you have to be realistic. And I think probably the the most beneficial part to both of those or any any of those types of certifications is that uh, as long as it comes with a community of people. That's where that's where the real power is, and that's that you know connecting with people who are passionate and who are just as kind of in in our world kind of geeked up about all this kind of cool stuff that's going on. That's what really drives drives me, and that's where I see the the benefit of those. A, a place to talk about spreadsheets where you don't get a strange look. Exactly, somebody else who gets excited and starts talking really fast about a formula. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so final questions. Uh, what about what are you excited about presenting upcoming in the next you know couple of years or so? Hmm. Um, I think I think trying to make more of a connection with with um, teachers who aren't as geeked up as I am about how they could be, which you know how they could be using technology a little bit um, to help help them achieve their goals. I mean that's where we all say we should start is with the curricular goals, but trying to work on ways to make it more. Um, presentable or more um, attractive to them so they can they can see it you know people will spend time on the things that they see value from so I guess my job is to help them see value in these things and whatever it is that you know is kind of the, the flavor of the day so yeah making that starting kind of what's the why why are we really doing this and, and making it um, accept more accessible I think I've been speaking with Jay Atwood he is the high school ed tech coordinator at Singapore American School thanks so much for your time today Jay all right, thanks. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.